So uh, Psalm 94 is uh, where we'll pick up uh, this evening. The focus of God being the refuge of those that trust in Him. Verse 1, Psalm 94, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs. O God, to whom vengeance belongs. Shine forth, rise up. O judge of the earth, render punishment to the proud. Um, God to whom vengeance belongs. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, uh, 35 says, Vengeance is mine uh, and, and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, uh, for the day of their calamity is at hand. and The things to come uh, hasten upon them. But that, that first line of Deuteronomy 32, 35 is, Vengeance is mine. Uh, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Uh, when we can look at, at scriptures uh, like uh, what's in um, uh, New Testament, where, where Jesus told us to, I think it's Matthew 5, where Jesus told us to do good for, to those that hate us, right? Because our nature isn't to do good. <laughs> we have to actually submit our own will to the Father's will uh, and, and come to the point where we just have to trust in him. You know, that, would, that we would trust in what he says, that he is going to take care of the situation. Um, you know, think, think of what uh, you know, showing grace and showing love to somebody uh, will do to them if they know that they aren't, you know, worthy of that, right? When we came to that point in our faith, right, we get there like, wait a minute, that, there's the head knowledge of that, right? But when we all came to the personal knowledge uh, of, of uh that I need a savior because I'm a sinner and God still loves me. And when we come to that point realizing that there's no reason for him to love me, but he still does. Right. So just understanding some of those things, right. And uh, understanding what, what's being said here is uh, that vengeance belongs to the Lord. It, it doesn't belong to man, but to God. Uh, many of us don't like that. Right. Ever, ever watched a movie or a show and you're like, oh, that guy is so bad. I can't wait for him to get what he has coming to him. And he's going to get it from the guy that he wronged, right? And we want to see the guy that was wrong be able to go get the guy, right? Because that's just something in us. I mean, there are times where I've been watching movies and I've got to, I'm, I'm realizing that I'm so tense that I've been tense for five, ten minutes and I don't even know it. Or I'm like barely breathing, you know, and because and I'm so sucked into something and I'm longing for that person that is being wronged to be able to have their vengeance on them, right? But uh, I, I love these things here, uh, these these reminders here, you know, uh, that that to God uh, is uh, vengeance belongs uh, to the Lord, and where and then there's the prayer with that. Shine forth, rise up, O Judge of the earth, render punishment to the proud. You know, those people that are are, and we're going to see more of of. The, what they're facing here and what they're talking about, but uh, those that are, are proudly essentially mocking their faith and uh, persecuting them for their faith, they're going to God for those things. And there's an important lesson for us there. You know, if there's a mocking of our faith, you know, rather than saying, oh, I'm going to get you someday, I'm, you know, break, break room, it's going to be me and everybody's going to be laughing at you. You know, those types of things. When we can just go to the Lord and say, Lord, vengeance is yours. Would you please take care of this? Would you please, you know, uh, and, and our job in it is to, you know, show love to those that hate us. 
<laughs> the last thing we want to do, right? But how good is God to tell us? Because what happens, right? A root of bitterness gets in there. And that bitterness just eats, al eats us alive from the inside out, really, doesn't it? It affects, it affects our day. It affects our mood. It affects our health. It affects our relationships with people. God is so good that we can just go to him and say, Lord, please take care of this. And, and he will. Verse 3. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? They utter speech and speech, uh, speak insolent things. All the workers of iniquity boast in themselves. They break in pieces your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. Uh, so these are real things that they were dealing with, very violent and brutal enemies committing great wickedness. And it, where it says here they utter speech and speak insolent things, rude and uh, disrespectful things, and breaking in pieces, you know, speaking of, uh, that's speaking of their great violence. Those are those are awful things. When we've when we've heard, I know Will had had taught of uh, some of Israel's, uh, and we have some younger folks, but. Uh, so, some of the really bad things that uh, Israel's enemies did, even to uh, little and uh, those that could not defend themselves. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, there were just uh, unspeakable things. You know, they break in pieces your people, um, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. So, psalmist uh, going to the Lord, uh, they're they're under uh, obviously under in, in great distress and under uh, great attack, and they're going to the Lord where they should. Uh, in the midst of an attack. Verse uh, 6, they slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob understand. Uh, so so obviously this is bad. You know, consider, what did, what did Jesus say about one that would lead somebody, a, a little one, into sin? It would be better for that person to have a millstone around their neck and thrown into the sea um, for it would be better for them than to face the wrath of God, right? <clears throat> Though that's they're facing real, uh, real um, uh, threats upon their life. There, where it even says that they would slay uh, the widow, the stranger, and the fatherless. Now, uh, consider how much more and more severe the wrath of God would be uh, because of uh, who they're attacking. Um, those are special people in the eyes of the Lord. You know, when you look through the scripture and you see special care being placed upon uh, the stranger, the widow, and the orphan. Uh, I know you guys have heard me talk about this, but as it comes up, we're going to keep talking about it. That's, that's what happens as we come through the scripture. But that the Lord, they have a special place in the Lord's heart. And for somebody to, uh, to slay them, you know, the widow, the stranger, and murder the fatherless. I mean, that's uh, uh, those are those are three protected categories of people. Special protection, special provision for those people uh, in the scripture. Well, uh, we're going to look at a few uh, verses so that we can understand more of the hearts, uh, the Lord's heart toward the widow, the stranger, and the fatherless. Deuteronomy twenty-seven verse nineteen says, "Cursed is the one who perverts justice." Do the stranger, the fatherless, and widow, and all the people shall say amen. So there's there's a curse that is placed upon those who per, even perverts the justice for those that uh, for the justice that's due to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Psalm sixty-eight verse five 
calls the Lord uh, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. Two more verses uh, to consider. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17 says, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. If God is commanding those things, it means that those things weren't happening. So God talking to Isaiah and explaining that these people were to be protected in a very special way. Uh, there's the, the instruction there to learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor. And as you're doing those, you're going to find that you need to defend the fatherless and plead for the widow. Uh, they uh, often widows were poor, right? They're, they have lost their, those who are true widows, right? I believe it was first Timothy five. Um, I think it was five. And I, I guess Paul writing to Timothy, um, he, he told him uh, to care for the widows, but then he has to clarify what type of widows, because there were problems uh, with, uh, with the church. And, uh, and uh, Timothy was a pastor of the church in Ephesus. And uh, so there, uh, there was instruction from Paul to to make sure that there weren't uh, for those that were specifically were actual widows. They had nobody else to pr to pr uh, provide for them. Uh, if they were provided for by a husband or a son or somebody who could work and, and care for them or another family member, uh, consider uh, like in the book of Ruth, the kinsman redeemer, where there's nobody else uh, to to care for somebody, that there would be a redeemer within the family. Uh, those types of things. And, and, and Paul was explaining to Timothy uh, that make sure, but if they're true widows, care for them and, and, and bring them in and, and make sure they're taken care of. Lastly, James chapter 1, verse 27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You know, there's no glory that comes from uh, caring for widows and orphans, you know, when when uh, oftentimes you, you guys know uh, whenever somebody gives a big donation, right? You ever been to a baseball game like a professional baseball game and they've got the massive giant check or you'll see something even on Facebook or on the news when somebody gives right uh, oftentimes when someone will give especially large amounts to maybe a hospital or whatever they want that wing named after that person. Right. And you'll see, oh, this was given. Uh, so uh, in the scripture, it's if, if somebody was seeking recognition for that gift, they've received their reward. You know, that that's it. Right. But there's usually no glory in caring for the widow and the orphan. And it's described that type of ministry is described uh, in the scripture as pure and undefiled religion. Uh, that's that's a, a powerful thing to consider uh, when when, you know, when there's a. Um, a, uh, a maybe even a question of okay, well, well what is precious to God? You know, uh, the that we would care for those that can't uh, care for themselves, especially even back in that day. Um, you know, there were there were several things, and and uh, we're we're going to look at a few more. I have uh, three more scripture verses regarding uh, these things. Uh, you can turn there if you'd like, or it's probably going to show up here. Um, uh, it's just uh, two verses out of Deuteronomy 14 say. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion nor inheritance with you, 
and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow uh, who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God, there's a blessing tied to this, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand, uh, of your hand which you do. There's a blessing from the Lord in people caring for those, what does it say, the Levites, right? The stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. You know, when you, you consider, uh, it, it, are, are we sensing a theme, right? So, so there's a... Um, there's a you know a great emphasis on uh, the Lord uh, taking care of them and protecting them, and this is this here are instructions for uh, providing for them. Deuteronomy twenty four twenty along the same same lines, but talking about reaping says uh, when you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Lastly, Deuteronomy 26, 12 says, When you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, uh, 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 in the third year, the third year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they uh, may eat within your gates and be filled. Right? So it's just a reiterance of uh, what was mentioned in Deuteronomy 14. If we're not sensing a theme by now, right? It's, it, I know it's a little bit of overkill. In explaining all of those things, but when we understand the the great uh, sin that was happening against those people that were defenseless, right? That's uh, uh, the psalmist is is writing that the Lord would uh, would hear and that He would see, um, you know, because when they what they're saying here is uh, in verse seven it says, "Yet they say the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob understand." Uh, so understand, you know, these people are doing these things thinking God doesn't see, that God doesn't understand. They don't care about God is really what it's saying. There isn't a God. God, there. If there is a God, he's not paying attention to this. He doesn't care. This isn't big enough. He's caring about other things. But it's not the case. You know, when we can look at, I mean, guys, that was from a quick search for me. Just kind of going through, remembering certain verses and pulling them out or or, or just doing a search of uh, some of these, the ones that, that came out of Deuteronomy. You know, the Lord has a special place in his heart for the stranger, the fatherless and the widow. And for these people uh, to be killing and making them victims. Oh, wow. I wouldn't want to face the wrath that they have coming toward them uh, for doing so. Verse eight of uh, Psalm 94 says, Understand, you senseless among the people, and you fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, shall he not hear? He who formed the eye, shall he not see? He who instructs the nations, shall he not correct? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are futile. The senseless and the foolish, they need to know that there's a day or and or time. There's going to be a time of reckoning from the Lord on those that would do such things. Right. So so, you know, what the psalmist is writing here is understand you senseless among the people, you fools. When will you be wise? Right. Because they're saying God doesn't hear. God doesn't understand. And they're going, you got everything all wrong. Matter of fact, OK, who planted the ear? I love that. He who plants, who planted the ear, shall he not hear? 
the one that put an ear in it, because we're made in God's image, right? We're made in the image of God. Consider that, right? We're, if, if human beings are made in the image of God, and they're saying, well, no, God doesn't hear, they're like, what are you talking about? You know, has, he who planted the ear, shall he not hear? He who formed the eye, shall he not see? You know, when, when you look back at verse 7, you know, it's saying that the wicked would mock God, saying he doesn't even understand. And then the scripture here is saying it, it, what's what's being this this question. These these are you know um, hypothetical questions. You know the the answer is is within the question, right? He planted the ear. Shall he not hear? Right? Uh, planted uh, planted the ear. Formed the eye. Instructs the nations. Shall he not correct? He who teaches man knowledge, but he doesn't understand. If he's teaching man knowledge, why would God not understand? Right. Just 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 consider the foolishness of what's being called foolishness as we read through here. And we need to know we need to understand in this culture, this spirit is very much alive and well. There is there is a great mockery of God uh, in this nation that 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 uh, that that we I mean, when when the world looks at America and considers us a Christian nation, um, Wow, all you got to do is come here and see that we're the leaders in consumption of like every bad thing, right? And production of a lot of bad things, right? Um, America as a nation has turned its back on the Lord. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, we know that the church is here and that the Lord um, is, has not poured out his wrath upon us. But, man, the blessings that we've missed because of, uh, as a nation for, for uh, turning our back and being disobedient to him, man. That spirit of mocking God is very much alive, very much alive. Well, we're just going to keep going, right? I don't know about you, but uh, it's it's easy uh, to for me. It, even even when I was uh, pretty young and everything, I'm like, well, I haven't been struck dead, so must not have offended God enough. <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> no, God in His grace and mercy, uh, you know, allowed me to continue living. It's it's that foolish heart uh, that would that would think of those things, right? Verse 12, blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law, that you may give him rest in the days of adversity until the pit is dug for the wicked. I'd much rather enjoy the rest and peace that comes from God in my life. You know, when we when we look here, blessed is the man whom you instruct, that the Lord would instruct us, right? That we have the Holy Spirit that speaks to us and instructs us. We have the word of God that instructs us. Um, there's uh, oftentimes uh, in conversation or, or just, uh, you know, hearing people talk about conversations they've had. There's the question of, does God even still work? Does God still speak? Um, uh, did he stop speaking when the Bible was done uh, being written and not understand? Because those are questions uh, from from those who don't understand who the Lord is and don't understand the word of God. Uh, you know, when Hebrews tells us that it's a word, that the word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, you know, that it can even divide between bone and marrow. Uh, you know, that's 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 some pretty uh, intricate surgery that's happening and that the word can do that in in the hearts uh, and minds of man and woman, uh, that that as the word is being brought forth, that it's alive, that it's going out right Isaiah 55, that God sends out his word and it come, doesn't come back to him void, right? So it goes out and accomplishes his will. So his ver word is very much alive. 
Uh, so blessed is a man whom you instruct. Where do we get our instruction from? Uh, there, have, there have been mockeries that I've heard uh, people speak of. of Well, well he, he hasn't talked, he hasn't done anything in, what, 2,000 years? How come we can't see him? How come I can't audibly hear him? Uh, we've got a book that's been preserved over thousands, you know, some of these writings thousands and thousands of years old, right? New Testament done being written 2,000 years ago, right? I mean, th those are uh, some old, that's, that's old. I'll give them that. Yes, that's old. But is it still relevant? Absolutely, right? The truths when in it haven't changed. Just like God doesn't change, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the truths within God's word still instruct us. And if we're, if we're pliable to God's word and we let him uh, speak to us and teach us uh, his, his ways, uh, we're, we're going to have the peace of God. We're, we're going to have rest in him, right? Blessed is the man whom you instruct and teach out of your law that you may give him rest for the days of adversity. Usually rest doesn't come in the days of adversity, right? But if we know God and we understand who he is and how he works, we can find rest in him uh, during those hard times of adversity. Uh, what I like here is until the pit is dug for the wicked, <laughs> right? You know what, Lord, you take care of the wicked. But we need your peace. We need your rest. And, and please continue to instruct us and teach us um, that we may find rest in days of adversity. Much better uh, to have the rest and peace from God uh, than uh, the pit that is dug, right? Verse 14 for the Lord will not cast off his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance, but judgment will return to righteousness. And uh, all the upright in heart will follow it. You know, God doesn't forsake his children. There's, uh, there's a wonderful thing here, uh, a, a blessing and an assurance that we have in our lives, understanding that God doesn't forsake his children. Although mockers like Sanballat and Tobiah, right, reading through uh, the book of Nehemiah, Sanballat and uh, and Tobiah um, were mockers, and uh, they would they would even claim like, oh, hey, you're going to build the wall, even if a fox ran up on that wall, it's not going to be able to stand, right? They were they were threatened, right? They they enjoyed the power that they had over the people that were in oppression, and when they saw that Israel not only was the temple being rebuilt. Go ahead and read Ezra, right? Uh, the temple's being restored, but also the wall and all the gates that were being hung. Um, that was Nehemiah's mission, was to restore the wall and the, and the gates, right? Uh, so you read through those two books, and you see how those two come together. It's neat, um, because uh, often, uh, and for a long time, it was considered like Ezra A and B, Ezra 1 and 2, and uh, later on became Ezra and Nehemiah. But the great work of the restoration of the temple and the city of, of Jerusalem to see uh, how the Lord ministered and uh, where their strength came from. You know, the, the mockery and uh, the um, intimidation from Sanballat and Tobiah, trying to, uh, trying to uh, discourage them. And when they realized that wasn't working, uh, and then they tried to trick Nehemiah. Uh, and they were like, hey, you know what? He's being too successful. And they had a wicked plan for him. So they try to get Nehemiah to retreat. And they try to get him, hey, why don't you meet with us in secret? And he's like, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing, right? Nehemiah's like, I'm not going for that. These guys have my harm in mind, right? And uh, and then they also uh, get a priest. 
uh, to come in on it. And uh, hey, why don't you come in and hide within in, in in inside the inside the church, you know, essentially inside the temple, and uh, and uh, and we'll, we'll meet in there. And he's like, then I realized, wait a minute, he's in on it too. And uh, Nehemiah wasn't he wasn't deterred uh, from the mission that he had. Right? There, it was quite a um, Nehemiah. I've told you guys this is one of my favorite books. Right? Uh, just to see that you know he's able to go to King Artaxerxes and. His life is is uh, on really. Uh, it, it could have been in jeopardy just for being sad in the king's presence, right? As the king's cupbearer, and uh, but the king noticed. He's like, "There's just sadness on your face," and uh, and and the king asks him, you know, what's going on? And he goes and he says, "Look, you know, my homeland's in ruins." You know, and when he got that report, he's just broken and. Uh, and then, you know, what an unlikely thing would happen uh, as a result, right? King Artaxerxes gives him uh, the permission, the provision and protection to go back in and, and to restore. Even, you know, hey, here's a letter. Like if anybody gives you a hard time, uh, you've got this letter saying I've given you the permission. Uh, oh, hey, uh, here's uh, here's your, your provision. You can actually go get the, the cedars you need and all of those things. It's a wonderful book. Guys, if you want something that's going to make you like, oh, yeah, read Nehemiah. And, you know, Nehemiah gets a little fired up, you know, ends up like ripping beards out and hitting people in the face, right? He's correcting them for being stupid, right? You know, they're, they're, uh, he, he has to stand in and, and, and say, guys, don't you realize that we were drawn out of this land for acting like this? And he's correcting them, saying, we haven't even started, and you're all doing that. Okay, so, uh, anyways, go read it. I, I, I'm way off off track here, but Sandalette and Tobiah. That was like a one liner note on here. Okay, uh, you know, can consider Sennacherib, uh, the king of the Assyrians, and uh, and what uh, what was um, what was used by uh, by them, and uh, they. Uh, now I'm probably gonna uh, butcher this, but the Rabshakeh uh, is is the way I'm gonna say it. Okay. Second um, Kings chapter eighteen. Uh, actually, would you turn there with me to Second Kings chapter eighteen? Because I realize if it's probably up there, we're going to have to go through like a bunch of slides. If you don't have your Bible, just go ahead and read up there, uh, or if it's just easier for you, that's fine too. But Second Kings eighteen. Verse twenty-eight. Once you get in there. So Hezekiah is doing great work in Israel, and, and uh, the king of the Assyrians is giving him a hard time. And so this Rabshakeh, which would be his, uh, you know, his vizier, his right-hand man, uh, comes in to try to intimidate, right? So verse 28 of 2 Kings 18, Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for uh, he shall not be able to deliver, to deliver you from his hand, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, right? <laughs> like they're, they're speaking their language and telling them, don't let Hezekiah deceive you. Don't even let him make you trust in the Lord, verse, uh, verse 30, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying the Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. He continues, do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make peace with me by a present and come out to me. And every one of you, 
uh, eat from his own vine, and every one of you from his own fig tree, and every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern. Until I come and take you away to a land like uh, your own land, like a land, uh, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive groves and honey, that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Guys, does this not ooze? Right, this guy just wants to come in, take over, and steal everything, right? Doesn't it just ooze all kinds of, like, creepiness to it, right? That's the best word I just thought of, right? Okay, verse 33. Has any, uh, has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Seraph? Sephravaim, there we go, Sephravaim, and Hena and Iva. Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand. But the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was, do not answer him. Right? There's this guy that comes and just is mocking them and saying, don't believe your king. He's, he's got nothing good for you. Especially don't believe him when he tells you not to trust in the Lord. Right? I mean, meters are going off. These people are saying right here, they know they've been told by the king not to even answer. Him, right? Uh, consider what Hezekiah did. Right? He's tearing down all the, uh, the, the places of idol worship and he's restoring proper worship uh, to Israel. Right. And and here come these guys and they're just saying, no, uh, to, you know, what's happened, Judah, actually. But, uh, you know, consider what's what's happening here is there's an attack on their faith. This guy's coming in and attacking their faith, saying, really, have any of the other gods been able to deliver people from uh, the God of Assyria? And who are, who is the Lord that you would think? What they didn't realize is that one hundred eighty five thousand of them were about to be wiped out. Right. And then. Uh, you know, consider Sennacherib runs, right? He goes and then he's worshiping uh, in his false idols temp uh, temple. And who comes along to kill him but his own sons, right? His own people, right? Look what ends up happening. Look how that all folded in on him. Right? He's telling them, you can't trust Hezekiah. You can't trust uh, anything he says. And you certainly can't trust God. And then what happens to him? God fights and wipes out 185,000 of them. Sennacherib runs back. Killed by his own people. There's the answer. Judgment will return to the righteous. Uh, sorry, we're way back in um, uh, Romans Romans four. Uh, so I'll give you a second to turn back there. But uh, uh, the uh, end of sorry fifteen says, but judgment will return to the righteous, and the upright uh, will uh, will follow it. Judgment will return. That's not a bad judgment. Right. Judgment will return uh, to the righteous and the upright in heart uh, will follow it. That proper judgment. Verse 16, who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have settled in silence. If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. 
in the multitudes of my of my anxieties within me, you your comforts delight my soul. You know, there's the insurance there for the believer uh, that we can have in God to deliver us and to sustain our lives. Right? That that God can meet uh, our needs. That God can meet every need that we have. Emotional needs, physical needs, spiritual needs. God can meet every single one of them. What is being written here is who's going to rise up against the evildoers? You know, who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? And the, the answer is nobody, right? There, I mean, it's not written there except for the Lord. Where it goes into verse 17, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would soon have settled in silence, which means I'd be dead. Soul would be settled in silence, right? If I say my foot slips, this is this. So, so there's that scenario, right? And then there's the assurance of faith, right? If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. That's the, the peace that, excuse me, God has to offer us, right? The assurance that we have in him. Verse 20. Shall the throne of iniquity, which devises evil by law, have fellowship with you? They gather together against the life of the righteous and condemn innocent blood. I love the answer to this. But the Lord has been my defense and my rock, sorry, and my God, the rock of my refuge. He has brought on them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. The Lord our God shall cut them off. You know, the, the Lord has no fellowship with a throne of iniquity that devises evil by law, we, like, like it's, it's saying there. You know, they may gather uh, against the life of the righteous and condemn innocent blood, but the Lord is the defense, right? That's what's being described all the way through the psalm. It really starts uh, at the beginning and, and it's kind of, it bookends the psalm, right? Is that the Lord is the one that we can go to and we can trust, you know, and my God, the rock of my refuge. We, uh, we know that we can have peace in going to the Lord, that the Lord is the one that fights our battles. Uh, I mean, those are, those are powerful things to consider, that that, that Assyrian army, 185,000 of them wiped out. Angel comes through and 185,000. That's a lot, right? Israel didn't have to do anything but trusted God. Think of the spiritual application that, that lies within that, right? That's a big army coming after you. That's a big enemy you're facing. That's a big situation that you're facing. And all we have to do is like run to God. That's the rock of our refuge, right? We can just go to him, right? Uh, we, we studied that last week, that, that he would put us under his wing, right? There's nothing to fear. God meets every need that we have. He doesn't leave us stranded. He's not like, sorry, kid, that's too big of an army for you. Hope things go well for you. You know, it's, it's not the case at all. You know, the Lord loves to take those situations, right? Remember Gideon's army? You got too many people. <laughs> got to separate a bunch of them. Got to get those guys out, right? Gives them a few hundred. Yep. Even, even says, oh, this is how you're going to figure it out. Watch how they drink water, right? <laughs> and, and then they're left. They're, they're left with a, he's left with a remnant of what would have been there. God's saying, no, 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 no. He, God is very, very clear in his word that he alone gets the glory. 
So when we're facing that type of enemy, that look, this stuff's overwhelming me. We can just go to God and ask for his help. And when he gives the help, make sure he gets the credit for the help, right? We don't go, yeah, I survived that one, guys. You guys saw what I was going through in life. I was just really strong. You know, I was brought up in a pretty tough household. No, 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 no. You were down on your face, bawling your eyes out, asking God to help you. When he does help you, we have to give credit where it's due. That's an important thing for us. Give God the credit for what he does in our lives, right? It's not easy to sometimes, you know, might be intimidated to tell somebody, especially those who might have been mockers of our faith, right? Well, hey, you saw what I was facing. I trusted God. Let him mock, right? Follow the Lord. You know, the, the scriptures don't say, hey, people mock you. Just you're OK. You can just, you know, cower and run away. And uh, no, God tells us to stand in him, right? Psalm 95, a call to worship in obedience. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. You know, that we would break out just when we consider all those things that are around us. But it, it really starts in, in the first verse where it's saying, let us sing to the Lord, let us shout joyfully who, for, to who? The rock of our salvation. Right? That, that immovable rock. Uh, who is is Jesus Christ, right? It's amazing. When we read through the Old Testament, right? When Israel was fed by heavenly bread, right? Miraculous bread, manna falling from, from the sky, right? Think of Elijah, right? Elijah's at the, near the brook, right? And uh, he's just hanging out there, and God's sending birds, ravens, to bring, you know, deliver his cheeseburger, you know, his food. I say cheeseburger, just be, that's a joke, right? But he's got food coming to him, right? He's got a brook that's still running. Uh, in uh, it, it, Just so many amazing uh, things to consider, right? You know, Elijah going to the widow and saying, hey, I, I know you're running low on oil, but but make me some cakes, right? And the oil doesn't run out, right? The, the miraculous provision of the Lord, right? And then to consider, I, I started by saying this, but Israel's uh, wandering in the desert, right? And because of their disobedience, they're wandering for 40 years. And they're being provided miraculous bread from heaven. And they're getting water out of a rock. Consider that, right? How many rocks have we ever spoken to? And rock, water just comes out, right? We know that Moses ends up striking the rock later, right? But there, but you guys ever seen water come out of a rock? Rock is like the driest thing, Right? You know, it's, there's there's something to be said for the, the 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 dryness of a stone, right? But that rock following them, scriptures tell us, was Jesus Christ. That's that's something to ponder, right? The rock of our salvation. I don't know about your Bible, mine's capitalized rock of salvation. Let us come uh, before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him uh, with psalms. You know that that you. Um, I've, I've described this before, but man, especially in Maine, we are, are, are pretty reserved and, you know, we, we don't want to be heard, but, oh, I say that, but man, when we were singing that song, the goodness of God this morning, 
didn't you guys just, I mean, I'm surprised the windows weren't probably shaking. I don't know. But to listen to everybody here just pouring their hearts out, because we had just literally learned that song as a band today. We were like, maybe we'll do it next week. We're like, now we got it together enough. Let's just do it. You know, uh, we, you know, we're winging it a little bit here. But to hear everybody singing of the goodness of God, uh, you know, everybody's singing certain songs, but there are some songs where it just pours out. Right. That was one of them this morning, singing um, to him. And, and, and then the declaration here that, you know, in his hands are the, the, the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea are, is his uh, for he made it in his uh, and his hands formed the dry land. You know, God is the God of all creation. He should be praised. Uh, does anybody know this? Uh, there, there is a song here for verses 6 and 7. Does anybody know this? Oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, uh, our, our, uh, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Uh, today I will hear your voice. If I will hear his, sorry, if you will hear his voice. Um, there, there's a command in the scripture. Oh, come, let us uh, worship and bow down. Do you guys, do you guys, have you heard that song? Come, let us worship and bow down. You know that song, right? Let us near. It's kind of an older one. I, I'm guessing 70s is when it might have been popular. I don't know. Uh, what's that? Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that guy, but that's awesome. I love that you have that, right? Right. No doubt, the guy's sitting here reading this, like, hey, we're gonna sing scripture, right? Shane and Shane, I love those guys, right? Because they, their, their whole thing, every post that I've seen on on social media from Shane and Shane is like, sing the word, sing the word, right? So this, you know, this is a, a wonderful way to uh, remember uh, scripture. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. You know, if if there's one we're gonna bow to, why not bow to the Creator? The one that would call us his sheep, right? Look at, look at, uh, if there's one shepherd I want to follow, it's the one that's willing to lay his life down for me, right? John 10, the good shepherd, the one that's willing to lay his life down for me. I don't want to be bowing down to a hireling that doesn't care about me, right? The hireling doesn't care because they're, they're paid, uh, paid help, right? I don't want that person leading me. I want the good shepherd leading. I don't want any idol leading me. I don't want any other person lead. I want God leading me, right? Oh, what a what a blessing for us to be able to bow down to the one that truly loves us and that would that not only would lay his life down for us, literally did lay his life down for us, right? Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me. Though they saw my work for 40 years, I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Right. And we're getting there in our study. Right. We're in Exodus. Um, and uh, as we're walking through uh, and we're reading through, uh, uh, we're about to, um, we might get there uh, this Wednesday. Uh, there's still some instruction on, uh, on, on how, to, uh, uh, how, the, um, how to consecrate the priests. 
uh, and those things that we that's what we studied last Wednesday. So there's still some instruction coming, but ultimately we know in just a few verses we're coming to uh, the rebellion against God. Right? There's the uh, the golden calf, and everybody's going astray uh, spiritually in their heart. Right? Uh, and it didn't take very long. Look at look at what it says here in verse nine. Though they saw my work, though they saw my work, right? There, once again, you probably know that what's coming next. Seeing is not believing. Seeing was, okay, hey, yeah, we witnessed that, and, and we're going to believe it to a certain degree because it happened, but it's not going to bring about change within my heart and in my life. Hey, thanks for the deliverance from, you know, 400 years of slavery and everything, uh, but uh, my heart uh, is still uh, is ready to just commit adultery against the Lord and idolatry against the Lord, right? And that's that's essentially what was happening in their hearts because look what's being said here. For 40 years, I was grieved with that generation and I said it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, right? Okay, Moses, everybody from this age up. They ain't making it. <laughs> you got to wander around till the last one dies, right? The clothes didn't wear out. The shoes didn't wear out. And they're just walking in circles, right? What would have been a very short trip for them turned into 40 years of wandering, you know, uh, because of where their hearts were. They go astray in their hearts. There's a, there's a, a powerful message here uh, from Psalm 95 telling us that it's about our hearts being submitted to the Lord and following them. Right. Because uh, as a nation, they could just walk around, eat the free meals uh, and do all these things. Uh, but their hearts were, were, were so far from from God at, at times. And God is even saying it here. Uh, they go astray in their hearts. Right. So even if even if we want to play church and we want to check all the boxes and say, hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing it. You guys know I'm talking about this even in Romans, right? Because what Paul is laying down is that salvation doesn't come from the law. Salvation is given to us by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Very clearly laid out by Paul, right? <clears throat> and and uh, that, that blessing from the Lord that we're not saved by our works, which I think I already talked about. Yeah, I did during worship uh, today. I think I mentioned that, right? I don't know. The... the, 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 um, the uh, uh, services are coming together. Did I mention that? Yeah, I can hear him saying it. Yeah, so I did. I did mention that. What a blessing, right? What a blessing that we can't be saved by our works, right? Because then we're going to be puffed up, right? Then we're going to be arrogant. Nobody's going to be want to be around us, right? But also, there's also the blessing of of not having to worry about we, that we haven't done enough, right? God is so gracious. He's so good. He wants our hearts. You know, yes, the works and the deeds should happen. Those should come. They should, you know, we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only, like James says, right? We need to be doing those things because faith without works is dead. All right, so if we're not doing work, if if we're not living out our faith, right? It's not that, that living out our faith saves us. No, it's just the evidence that we are saved. And that when, when you couple those things together, right? That the works should come with the salvation that we out of gratitude for the Lord, right? And yeah, hey, you know what? You could do a good thing and go, hey, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to invest in your kingdom, and I'm going to do this. Great thing. It's going to be a private thing between me and you. I'm not going to go on the you know uh, side of the road so everybody sees it, and I don't want the check in my hand. Every, I'm just going to give uh, and, and, and do so so that my left hand doesn't even know what my right hand is doing, 
right? The, the, the separations from, from wanting to be praised for doing those good things. God, you know, those, okay, then like we talked earlier, if, if that is the, the goal is to be recognized for those things, the reward stays here. But the investment we can make in the kingdom, right? When our heart uh, it isn't going astray from the Lord, but it's it's connected to the Lord and we're serving him and we're walking with him as we should and we're doing those things. We're loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and we're loving our neighbor as our, ourselves that we would lay down our lives for our friends, right? That greatest expression of love that we could do. You know, that we would lay down the fact, oh, you know what? I God is calling me uh, with, I, I know I may have had a plan to do this with this, but I think that person needs their groceries paid for. Whatever it is, you know, that the Lord has put on our hearts. You know, the, the blessings that come from that. That we would be ones that are, are connected to the Lord. That we wouldn't want to stray from Him. We want to be the sheep of His pasture. We want uh, to just be uh, blessed by Him and led by Him. And, and just follow Him wherever He's leading us in our lives, right? And experience the blessing that comes. And what is the blessing that a sheep has with a shepherd? Just being with... My dog follows me all around the house. I mean, literally, all the everywhere. If I'm in the living room and I, I I'm, I'll literally tell him, "Hey, I'll be right back." I'm just, I, I'm literally just walking into my room to get like my water bottle or something. He walks, he gets, out, he's sleeping, but he knows when I get up, he just wants to be with me, right? He just wants me to lead him. If we have that heart toward the Lord, and you know, uh, in uh, you know, contrast to uh, what what's being described here as the these people that their hearts are going astray from the Lord. If, if we just, Lord, I don't want you to move from this room to that room without me. I just want, I mean, what a blessing that comes, that comes with that, with just wanting to follow around our shepherd. <laughs> God, where are you leading me? Okay, I'll just go. That's scary over there. Would you protect me from it? Boom, he protects us from it. You know, it, it, we don't have to worry. Is he going to lead us astray? Is he going to be the one uh, that would walk away from us? No, he's the rock of our salvation. You know, he's going to be the one that is our shepherd that protects us. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the encouragements from your word. We thank you that you are our refuge. We thank you that you love us so much. We know, Lord, that your mercy, uh, as Psalm 94 says, will hold us up. And, Lord, we don't have to worry about things. We don't have to be anxious about them. But we know that you will comfort our soul and you will delight us in you you know we'll find our delight in you lord help us to understand who we are in your eyes we are your sheep uh we want to be part of your pasture and just and be with you and experience the blessing of walking with you in our lives we're grateful lord that you would identify us as yours and uh that you've done the work that we might be redeemed and saved from our sin uh, and now we can just be yours in our relationship. We don't want to be stiff-necked and hard-hearted uh, as we see in the example uh, that's, that's given to us even in uh, this scripture from Psalm 95. We don't want to grieve you, Lord. We don't want to walk astray from you being uh, unwilling to turn away from sin. We want to turn from it and experience the blessing of walking with you in our lives. Thank you for your faithfulness and your love. Uh, we are so grateful for your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you guys.